Hello, welcome to Grad School Grad, a podcast about public policy and international relations graduate programs in the United States. So I'll call this episode Epilogue One, and I want to talk about public policy grad schools and tech, and in particular tech policy, thinking about it from a jobs perspective. So honestly, I thought I'd close this podcast, but you know, as I realized over time that um, as time marches on, public policy schools and international relations grad schools are going to develop new programs and, and new initiatives. And I thought every now and then I'll probably do some epilogues to give students some guidance to help them understand the new developments and the true value for them when it comes to thinking about grad schools and prepare for a job market. So just to be clear, today I want to talk about one of the latest trends in grad school, uh, really in public policy programs, which is uh, tech policy. So um, you know, there's been a lot of developments in data privacy and considerations about AI. And in reaction to that, um, all that stuff in the news going on and everything, there's been a lot of programming, a surge of programming in terms of fellowships, uh, research projects at policy grad schools that are really dedicated to tech policy. And, you know, some of these are really cool. Some of these have really extensive amounts of funding, which is nice. You know, it's always good to get money and sponsorship from your grad program. However, I just want to be realistic with students and prospective students that uh, just be clear about what the pathway for tech policy jobs are uh, in government or corporate America and and, and elsewhere. So... The clear thing I want to state is that the vast majority of tech policy jobs um, don't aren't really offered to people coming from policy grad schools. Um, yes, there are definitely people with MPPs or MPAs who work in tech policy, uh, but usually that's having had like worked in a stint before, either in product safety, community affairs, or communications, and then laterally making a transition into tech policy, either immediately after grad school or, you know, after some years of work experience after grad school. And a lot of times, uh, when I do see MPPs, MPAs in tech policy, it's usually some niche area um, or a secondary marketplace. So what I mean by that is almost always outside the U.S. Um, at least from the perspective of U.S. tech companies and the U.S. government. And then well, the question people always ask me is then, okay, where do all these government agencies and tech companies hire uh, f- from grad school and for tech policy jobs or internships? And the fact of the matter is that almost always you're better off coming from law school or engineering. Now, I want to state how I have a good idea about all this is that, hey, I worked in numerous tech companies. And as a former consultant, I've actually consulted for many. And that includes having visibility under public policy shops. So I know a lot about the backgrounds of people who work in tech policy and how they hire. And this is not just for companies, but I've also been involved in a lot of government work surrounding interaction with tech companies and tech policy management. So there you go. That's me. But, you know, if you look at a tech an application at grad school level for a tech policy internship, a lot of times... Um, They'll say something like JD or MPP or MPA. Uh, JD for international students or those outside the U.S. It's um, basically a law school degree. But the reality is that a lot of these roles are, it, without really having spelled out, are really JD preferred. 
I was actually having lunch with one of my friends who is in tech policy, and he's he's a JD lawyer. And the joke is that, like, yeah, everyone knows that uh, a company will take a JD over uh, MPP or MPA any day. Then it's, it's JD preferred, and all the all the law school students know that. Um, and so, from practical reason, why is this so? It's because the biggest questions about tech policy out there that needs to be researched and investigated are about what companies can or can't do vis-a-vis the government, um, federal, federal, state, local, whatever. And a lot of that comes down to legal evaluations of what is within the law, what is within execution law, what is permissible via the administration, the big legal questions. Now, hypothetically, uh, an MPP or MPA would really be helpful when it comes to like things like impact assessment. The re- but the thing is that you know an impact assessment can be done by anybody. Uh, it can be done between economists, financial planners. You know, they'll figure it out, and they don't need any special tech awareness to do that impact assessment. I mean, beyond the basic briefing or anything, they don't need a specialized knowledge. So that's why, like, you know. Why hire someone with MPP with MPA uh, when you, know, you already have an army economists or financial planners? When in reality, all you just need like legal research analysis and legally based guidance. That's what uh, law students are for. Um, so then I want to highlight about engineering because it did say, hey, sometimes it's someone from an engineering grad program. There are areas of tech policy uh, tied to tech, tech applications. Uh, the famous example is like, how do you minimize discrimination from AI? Um, and then questions like that are usually truly worked by those, uh, in the, in the tech policy space that come from a technical background. Um, uh, because they know, um, they, they have a better understanding about what's possible with the technology, uh, what's less possible and how do you do that change from a technical perspective and, Based off that awareness, really guide it. Um, you know, if you look at famous people in the tech policy space, um, the, probably the name that comes to mind most is uh, Francis Haugen, um, the person whistleblower uh, from Facebook, later Meta. Um, she, yes, she has an MBA from Harvard, but before that, she, you know, she had my understanding is that she had a technical background. Um, and worked at all these tech companies like Yelp and later Facebook. So, you know, she, that's why she has an understanding about so many aspects about tech policy. Now, I understand she's also supporting a lot of these, uh, initiatives and fellowships and policy schools and more power to her. I think it's a great thing. But, and I just want to clarify that, you know, from a pure jobs perspective, yeah, you know, the structured pathway for MPP, MPA to go to tech policy jobs is just simply not there. Uh, I'm sure, no, there, there are probably new efforts out there, but they have not been proven to be successful pathways. So bottom line, if you want to be in tech policy, the, your best chance to do something is go to law school. Uh, your second is, you know, come out on the engineering pathway and maybe focusing on AI policy related questions. I want to give a little bit of alibi, which is that, yes, there are definitely some activism and research related, um, matters to the impacts of tech um, that are occupied by people from MPP, MPA schools. Um, the things that I wouldn't exactly call their roles tech policy realistically. It's because you don't really need any tech exposure to get involved. 
In fact, the people working in these roles oftentimes don't have any that much exposure to tech whatsoever, uh, at least in terms of their background. It's more, it's more akin to regulatory policy, tax policy, social policy, or whatever, uh, depending on what the policy effect is. You know, you just have a different use case, which is a technology factor. And, you know, their company might be brand or nonprofit or activist group, uh, might be branded a focus about tech and, you know, they're definitely involved in it. They're touching, uh, the, the eventual effects of it, which, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you could call it tech policy, but you don't, like I said, you, you can come from a non tech policy background to touch it. I would say like the true blue people who live, breathe, sleep tech policy. Um, need to have extensive exposure to tech, either via a legal or engineering route. And then, you know, a lot of these policy effects, it's like essentially uh, a generalist factor. So, you know, if you want to get in tech policy uh, and you're in policy school, yeah, I think, you know, do take advantage of those fellowships, take advantage of those initiatives. But just realize, you now you're going to have to really chart your own route to get, really get involved in tech policy. And the easy route is to go to law school. All right. Thank you very much and hope you have a great day.